Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this Sunday, the 13th of March, also the second Sunday of Lent, known as Reminiscere Sunday or the Sunday of the Syrophoenician woman who begs Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Now, it's been a few weeks since we've gone over our Divine Service Catechesis, so we'll pick that back up this morning, and we'll cover what was in the Congregation of Prayer for Divine Service Catechesis from February 13th to 27th, those three Sundays. Now, after the sermon, the offertory, and offering in the Divine Service comes what is known as the Announcements and the General Prayer, or you might know it as the Prayer of the Church. Now, traditionally, Announcements of the Church were not made at the beginning or end of the Divine Service because those were seen as as times of preparation and prayer for the congregation. Instead, Announcements were made after the offering and before the Prayer of the Church. And then those things that were announced during that time would be prayed for in the prayer of the church. The announcements were nothing wild or outside the scope of the service, but concerned the life of the congregation. Here at Christ the King, for the prayer of the church, we use what is known as the general prayer. Now, other LCMS congregations might use a prayer of the church that is offered through the synod, and it tends to change the wording every week, and that's fine. They always pray for the same things that we do. However, for the edification of our people and to catechize all, we find it beneficial to use the same wording for the prayer of the church week in and week out so that we can grow in our understanding for that which we pray. The general prayer has been in use in its current form since, according to the Divine Service Catechesis, 1553, so about 500 years, with small changes and additional prayers given throughout the centuries, but essentially it's the same from the 16th century. In the general prayer, we pray for all those things which Christ and the apostles tell us to pray for. So you can see examples of this in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 2, to pray for authority. And in the congregation at prayer for February 13th, you can see an outline of this prayer. And in the bulletin for that day, a couple weeks back, February 13th, you can also see the general prayer under the prayer section. Now, as the Lord's Prayer shows us, the the general prayer is prayed to God the Father in the Son by the Spirit. It begins with thanksgiving for all God's blessings in Christ, and then we pray for the church and our pastors, then for rulers and good government so we may lead quiet lives, then for our enemies, and a prayer for our enemies which really goes against our flesh, but Jesus tells us to pray for them and love them. Then for God's providence in all afflictions, then for forgiveness of sins, then for all the necessities of life, then for any special petitions for those in our congregation, community, nation, or the world. Then the general prayer ends with the conclusion of thanksgiving and intercession through Christ our Lord. So there's quite a bit in there. (laughs) Now, because of the history of this general prayer, that we pray it with those throughout the centuries. And because of the beauty of this prayer, and because of the wisdom of the church given to us in the wording of these prayers and in what we ask for, we feel it is best to use this prayer instead of, you know, the freestanding prayers of the pastor. Because this is the prayer of the church in all seasons and all years. And the pastor prays 
not on behalf of himself, so that he should just pray whatever he thinks of, but on behalf of the entire congregation within the Catholicity of the Church of all times and places. However, this is the prayer of the Church, handed down in the Church with the faith and praying as we are commanded to pray. That does not mean it is to replace the Lord's Prayer. Now, during the divine service, the Lord's Prayer is prayed generally during the, generally during the service of the sacrament. The Lord's Prayer, of course, is given to us by our Lord. That's why it's the Lord's Prayer, in which he commands us to pray as we gather together. So it ought to be prayed during every service. The general prayer is not meant to replace it in any way. But we pray the general prayer in addition to the Lord's Prayer, as is good and right. With that, we now turn to our matin service and the hymn of invocation, From God Shall Not Divide Me.
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. The Old Testament lesson for Reminisir is written in the 32nd chapter of Genesis, beginning at the 22nd verse. Jacob rose up that night, and took his two wives and his two servants and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the stream, and sent over that which he had. Jacob was left alone, and wrestled with a man there until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he didn't prevail against Jacob, the man touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was strained as he wrestled. The man said, Let me go, for the day breaks. Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. He said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have fought with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. He said, Why is it that you ask what my name is? So he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The sun rose on him as he passed over Penuel, and he limped because of his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel don't eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the hollow of the thigh to this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fourth chapter of the first epistle to the Thessalonians, beginning at the first verse. Finally, then, brothers, we beg and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, that you abound more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, even as the Gentiles who don't know God that no one should take advantage of and wrong a brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as also we forewarned you and testified. For God called us not for uncleanness, but for sanctification. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my pain, 
and forgive all my sins. I'll give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the fifteenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus went out from there and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman came out from those borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered, I wasn't sent to anyone but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered, It is not appropriate to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you even as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that hour. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the large catechism, Luther states, Temptation is of three kinds, of the flesh, of the world, and of the devil. Last week we heard of the temptation of the devil. Next week we will hear of the temptation of the world. Now this morning we will see in our gospel and hear in our epistle about the temptation of the flesh. And so Paul exhorts the Thessalonians in our epistle saying, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. We know in baptism we have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, according to the scripture alone. And having been saved, Paul tells us the baptized that we are to live and please God. He is not beseeching or encouraging us to do so for our own salvation, because we're already saved. Nor does he do so because he thinks we are not living and pleasing God right now, because he says to continue doing just as you are doing. Rather, Paul here is lovingly encouraging us to live our baptism. And the reason why he does, though, is explained by Luther in the large catechism as he goes on. He says, Our life is of such a nature that one stands today and tomorrow falls. Therefore, even though we be godly now and stand before God with a good conscience, 
we must pray that he would not suffer us to relapse and yield to trials and temptations. For in the flesh we dwell and carry the old Adam around our neck, and the old Adam exerts himself and incites us daily to inchastity, laziness, gluttony and drunkenness, avarice and deception, to defraud our neighbor and to overcharge him, in short, to all manner of evil lusts which cleave to us by nature. So then, in this life, the evil flesh is always there, always provoking us, always being incited by the devil to rise up against us. Just as the devil is constant in flinging his fiery arrows at us, so our flesh is ever constant against us in this life. It's always there. So the encouragement that Paul gives us here is always needed because the fight between the spirit and the flesh is always ongoing. Now, the instructions received from Paul and Christ himself have been well known to us, especially over the past few weeks in the lectionary. The instructions that Paul talks about are the need to live in constant repentance as we learn about the Ten Commandments and confession. The, in, the instructions are that the kingdom of God works by grace alone, the scripture alone, faith alone, as we learn in the creed. That we need to be constant in prayer, as Christ teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. That we need to mortify the flesh in our baptism, to force the flesh into submission in our sanctification, which is why Christ instructs us to fast. The instructions are that faith, hope, and love are the three things which abide, and that the greatest of these is love, which we show in charity and almsgiving to the neighbor. Those are the instructions which Paul has handed down to the Thessalonians and to us. And as we seek to live by those instructions in our baptism, we constantly wrestle with our sinful flesh and its evil desires. And in the midst of Paul's epistle to the Thessalonians, the gospel right beside it gives us an example of how we are to fight the flesh by looking at this poor Syrophoenician woman whose daughter is demon-possessed. She today is our example. And as you picture the Syrophoenician woman in your mind, her screaming the curie and calling out and begging and willingly being called a dog. Well, keep these words of St. Paul in your mind as you picture that. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that for your sanctification you separate yourself from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know. God. Now, Paul here hits on a sin that pervades and permeates through every aspect of our culture, with pornography always a click away, smut around every corner, and the constant encouragement for everyone to act on every sexual proclivity which his heart desires. We know the lust of passion very well. We know the difficulty of controlling our bodies when opportunities for perversion are vast. But here Paul states, in order to grow in sanctification, you must separate yourself from sexual immorality. And it's not here just the sixth commandment that he's really touching on, but it's a separation from all the evil passions and inclinations of the old Adam. To separate ourselves from those passions is then to mortify the flesh. And so here, as an example for us, is the Syrophoenician woman. Yet her temptation of the flesh in our gospel account is not one of sexual lust, but it's a falling away from God. Consider, if you will, the temptation of her flesh in this scenario. 
She not only prays the curie, she shouts it through tears as her child's very life depends on her prayer being answered. And as she cries out her prayer, Christ says nothing. Now we know that God the Father has promised to hear us. We know that when we call, Jesus loves us and he will not leave us alone. That's what we learn in catechesis. And yet, here he answers nothing. He doesn't approach her. He doesn't ask others to bring her to him. There is nothing from him. Now, if the woman followed the passions of her flesh, if we were in her shoes and followed the passions of our flesh, what would she do here when the Lord does not answer her? If we're up to the flesh, perhaps she would fall away by walking away and looking for a God who would bother to answer her or even give her a look. Or perhaps she would throw up her hand and claim there is no God. Perhaps she would even curse Christ, the Son of God, to his face. In the end, what would have happened is her flesh would have led her away from the Son of God, from the Messiah. And yet, without receiving an answer, this poor woman stays. She forces her body, her flesh, to submit. She refuses to be like the Gentiles who don't know God, and she stays and she keeps praying. Well, Paul goes on. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that for your sanctification you separate yourself from sexual immorality, that none transgress his brother in this matter. Paul here is urging purity for us who are in Christ not to have an affair with our brother's wife and hurt him, or not to be in a relationship with a sister in Christ and take from her what is not ours before marriage, to not take what God has not given us and hurt our brother and sister in Christ. That's what Paul is urging here. And here again is the example of the Syrophoenician woman. Here the disciples are not at all pure. Here is this woman, clearly of the faith, because she knows Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. She calls him the Son of David. That is her confession of Jesus. But the disciples don't pray for this woman of faith. They instead tell our Lord to send her away, to force her to leave, to find another God, perhaps, to get in bed with. The disciples transgress against their sister in the faith simply because she was not a Jew and she was embarrassing them out in public. And for her part, if she had followed the passions of her flesh, what would she have done here? Perhaps gone over and laid into the disciples, chewing them out for hating her, for not acting Christian, or worse, perhaps going up and slapping them, spitting at them, attacking them. Perhaps she would have left the church altogether and refused to return because of how those in the church hurt her. And they were hurting her. But if she had left the church or left the faith, who would that have hurt? Herself and her own daughter who was demon-possessed. She would not have gone home and raised her daughter in the faith. She would have been leaving her daughter to devils. And that would happen to all of us if we leave the church because someone in the church hurt us. If we left the church in that case, our passions would force us to leave the presence of Christ, to hurt those in the church, to stop praying, and to leave our own heritage, our own children, to devils. Yet, this woman hears every hurtful word the disciples say. And you'd better believe she can feel her flesh raging. 
yet she forces her body, her flesh, to submit. She refuses to transgress against her brothers in Christ, the disciples who hurt her. She refuses to transgress against her own daughter. Instead, as her Lord says he has sent for the lost sheep of Israel, she falls on her knees before the Lord and continues praying, Lord, help me. And then Paul continues, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that for your sanctification you separate yourselves from sexual immorality, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. The world, the devil, and our flesh will tell you that God has better things to worry about in the world than if you have sex outside of marriage, or if your eyes or mind wander, or if you lust and covet for a man or woman that God has not given you, or if your sexual proclivities are outside the bounds of a one-man, one-woman marriage. They will tell you there is so many and much bigger problems and more evil stuff going on in the world that God wouldn't care about any of that. But here, Paul warns differently. He says God does care, that God is in fact an avenger in all these things as the Ten Commandments warn us. And here again is the example of the Syrophoenician woman. As she prays on her knees right in front of our Lord, she hears him say, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, Just as the devil, the world, and our flesh would not blame, but actually encourage us to chase all of our sexual desires, here, at being called a dog, you better believe that the devil, the world, and the woman's flesh likewise would not blame her, but would actually encourage her to get up, slap our Lord in the face, and storm off. Because if there is anything more temptuous to our flesh than sexual lusts, It's feeling the need to defend our pride. Here, her flesh wants to scream at our Lord, Who are you to call me a dog? How dare you? You can almost feel it in her flesh, can't you? Her desire to scream, Who are you to talk down to me? To not make me feel special? To question my value? That's what all of our flesh wants to scream. And with all that is going wrong in the world today, who could blame the woman for taking offense at something like this, at being called a dog and storming away? You better believe that's what her flesh wants to do. To leave and forsake God altogether, that's what her flesh wants to do right now. Her flesh wants to hold her up above those insults, to refuse to play our Lord's game. Because our flesh thinks it's a game. Yet, this woman hears very clearly what the Son of God has said. She feels her flesh raging, and yet she forces her body, her flesh, to submit, to humiliate itself. She refuses to sin against God here, knowing that he is not only an avenger against sin, but also the Savior from sin. So she bows her head, and prays and confesses her sin, saying, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Paul finishes our epistle lesson this morning, saying, For this is the will of God, 
your sanctification. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Our Lord tells the woman, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. It's important. Do not misunderstand the gospel here and do not misunderstand Paul. Christ is not rewarding the woman's works or her persistence or for praying as the Gentiles do with many words and countless repetition, thinking that will earn a hearing with the deities. Nor is Paul saying that we are made pure by our own power in rejecting sexual impurity and being perfect towards God and neighbor. No. See, instead, what this woman is doing. She has heard the scriptures, because that's the only way she could know that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David. And by the word, by the scripture, the Holy Spirit has brought her into faith by his grace. By the word and the spirit, this woman has been forgiven and called into holiness to grow in her sanctification. And because she is saved in faith by grace, by the word, she prays to our Lord. Because she heard the word, she is persistent. Because the faith is working in her, she continues coming to her Lord. Don't you see? The word of God promises to her and to you that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, including my sin, your sins, her sins. In baptism, you were promised that your sins have died in Christ, that your flesh is crucified with Christ, that the guilt of your sin has been paid and removed from you. In baptism, you were promised that baptism will continue to forgive your sins and mortify your flesh while you live in this life. You were promised that in your baptism in Christ, the Spirit by the Word would make your faith grow fruit, that you would grow by faith in your sanctification, for which we strive because it has been promised to us. This is the holiness in which we were called. This is the holiness in which this woman was also called. So that when every time she prayed, what she was saying was, Lord, you died for my sins. Lord, you promised by your death to forgive my sins. Lord, you promised that this promise was for me and my children. Every prayer was prayed saying to the Lord, you promised by your cross, you promised and you are faithful and you will answer as you have promised. The sins and lusts of our flesh are great. And many times, just as this woman experienced, the lusts and passions can feel too great to overcome And when they feel too great for us and we pray, it can feel often as if the Lord just won't answer or speaks against us or is dismissing us. But that's what the flesh sees and hears and believes. Because the flesh hates God, expects nothing good from him. But see what our Lord was leading this woman to do. He wasn't forcing her to leave the faith, just the opposite. He led the woman to live in repentance by confessing she is a sinner, a dog. To pray. He led this woman to pray by clinging more and more and more to the cross and the promises of the cross. 
She knew the Ten Commandments. She knew she was a sinner. She knew about confession and absolution, how she ought to confess in humility, and what Christ promised when she confesses her sins. She knew the promises of the creed, and from the creed in her baptism, how to pray as we are taught in the Lord's Prayer, how to cling by prayer to those promises. She knew that she was strengthened, being in the presence of our Lord in his flesh and blood. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that for your sanctification you separate yourself from sexual immorality, that for your sanctification you mortify the flesh. May we all remain in our baptism and called in holiness, be evermore in the catechism with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. May we, like this woman, ever hold fast to the promises of the cross so that we may hear Christ say at the resurrection, as we are healed instantly, be it done for you as you desire. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And Jesus went thence and departed into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And Jesus went thence and departed into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send them help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say, more than they watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O God, who sees that of ourselves we have no strength, keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord. 
because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all harm and danger. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for the Christ the King podcast this morning. We pray that what you heard here this morning from the Word of God is a blessing throughout your week. Feel free to join us again this Wednesday as we continue our midweek series on the Apostles' Creed and the Catechism. And join us next Sunday as well as we go to celebrate Oculi Sunday. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.